Okay, I'm here at a Casual Connect in uh, Seattle, and with me today is a special guest. How about you introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, hi, my name is Charlie Price. Um, I am the co-founder and chief creative officer over at Hidden Variable Studios, the makers of Bagot. And what's Bagot about? Um, maybe for someone who has uh, mobile phones, they may have even heard your game. Uh, can you talk about it? Yeah, absolutely. So Bagot's a grocery bagging puzzle game. It's kind of like Tetris with a twist. Um, it's basically your goal is to go through and bag groceries um, within the, the confines of a bag, so it's a spatial puzzler without breaking anything. So it's got this fragility element that comes into play. Um, all the groceries are anthropomorphized, so they're all their own characters, and they all have little relationships and things along those lines, which adds a little bit of variety as well. But um, we're available on iOS and on Android, and we've had um, a lot of success today, thankfully. been very well critically received and, and uh, by the fans as well. So, And can you talk about what inspired the idea? Sure. Um, well, one of the ethos and kind of philosophy for the studio as a whole is really finding the fantastic in the everyday world around us. You know, I, I think there's a lot of opportunities for us to go through and find the fun in the things that we're doing every day and you know I, I kind of always use as an example for that for a long time I worked in console development and we worked with licenses and things like that and there was obviously a lot of licenses that would come up that um, for example I worked on a Desperate Housewives game um, way back when and a lot of people would kind of say oh Desperate Housewives how can you make a fun game out of that and I really think there's fun to be found in anything and I would always use the example of you can make a game about bagging groceries for example you know just the, the problems that you're trying to solve and things like that and I guess when the time came for us to go through and we, we went off on our own and founded our own studio and we, we came down to the point of making our first game, um, you know, we were kicking around a lot of different ideas, and, and the one game concept that kind of resonated with us the most was uh, was this notion of making a grocery bagging puzzle game. And I think that there's, you know, an opportunity there because it's, you know, it's something that we can all identify with. It's something that's a little bit fresh and different, but at the same time familiar. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, w there's a lot of games out there that are escapist entertainment, that are trying to go through and take you into another world and things along those lines. And I, I think, in many ways, if we we can just reflect on the things that we do every day. There's a lot of be fun, a lot of fun to be found there too. And so, when you decided to go with the bagging game, um, how did you prototype it? How did you come up with this mechanic that actually, you know, is fun and addictive for a lot of players? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we developed the game in Unity, um, so and, and our company is is very big on iteration and prototyping as well. So it's interesting. When we first started the game, we really hadn't had the notion of having all the groceries be characters. You know, it was much more about okay, you're a bagger at a supermarket. You got to bag these groceries as quickly as possible. The character in the game was really from the customers. We wanted to keep the customers happy, and some customers were in a rush, and some customers hated when you break things and things like that. So that was going to be kind of the dynamic. And as we were prototyping it, it was coming along well, and the mechanics were there, and there was fun to be had but it still felt a little bit dry and a little bit bland and one day um, the artist at the studio was um, was going through and just kind of doodling and he concepted uh, a milk carton with a face on it and he kind of tentatively went through and showed it around and was like, hey, what do, you, what do you think about this? And immediately, you know, our eyes lit up and we saw the opportunity there and we immediately connected with these characters and, you know, immediately it, it kind of brought the whole world to life and now all of a sudden there was a world within the supermarket and we could have a relationship between the milk and the OJ or kind of a couple and the, the eggs are kind of these, you know, Sir Edward, this kind of snooty British, you know, carton of eggs for no apparent reason, but for whatever reason it, it brought everything to life and um, brought the whole world of the game to life. So, you know, this a lot of really fantastic things that came out of that whole prototyping process. So, And how long did that process take? Um, I mean, I think we're always prototyping. We're always trying new things and ex experimenting with, with different ideas, but um, I think that initial prototyping, kind of the pre-production phase was probably, you know, two or three months. You know, and we were, we built the core kind of placement system in the game and a lot of the, the foundational mechanics um, of the game as a whole, but then, you know, we were about halfway into it when this, this character concept came about, and it was one of those moments where we had to step back 
can say like we have to jump on this. This is something really special that's really going to help us stand out. And so that kind of realigned a lot of our our goals and our energy. But um, I think that's one of the perks of being in a small studio and independently developing your own games is when you see an opportunity like that, you can make that call and say, okay, we're going to go through and we're going to we're going to dive into this. Yeah, I mean, how do you balance that with actually having to get your first product out? You know, because that that changed the direction or you know changed some of the things that you have to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it was it was a big discussion for us. You know, I, I think we we knew we wanted to get the game out quickly, but at the same time, you know, it was our first title, and so we wanted to leave a mark. We wanted to establish our brand. Um, so we, we knew we had to make a splash, and I think all of it just really comes down to just stepping back and saying, how much value do you think this change of direction is ultimately adding? Because obviously you can't follow every single rabbit hole that presents itself, otherwise you'll never get the game done. So, And there was a point where you know, we were already kind of six months in, seven months in, and we're like, look, we gotta, we got to start wrapping this up. And you know, it became this is kind of this concept of the minimum viable product yeah. that's brought up a lot. And that was a, a mantra that we would keep bringing up because we always want to go through and add more. But what's really cool about the, the indie space and the mobile space in particular is that you're always able to go through and add updates after the fact. Yeah. So you're in a position where you know we got to the point where we said, look, every every update we do pre-launch is a missed opportunity for us to show our support for the game post-launch. Yeah. You know, in some ways. So we, we kind of introduced those kind of mnemonic tricks in order to <laughs> to make us feel comfortable with going through and releasing the game. And I, I think we made good choices. You know, there was always new stuff that we wanted to add, which we're now going through and adding into the game. Um, and we've been released. We released a new level pack with new groceries and, and things along those lines. And we've got a new mode that's coming out soon. So. Um, um, I'm excited that the game's been as successful as it is. That really helps justify us supporting it further and really doing all the things that we always dreamed we were able to do. So, so after six or seven months, did you then decide to just uh, release it, or what? What was the stage then? And um, you know, how did you go about marketing and promoting it? Sure. Um, well, it wasn't just something where we said, you know what, we just got to get it out there. Let's go through and launch it. You know, we knew that the there's you never get a second chance to make a first impression. You know, so um, it was very much a okay, we need to go through and start wrapping this up. And there was a point where we said okay, we want to go through and get this game out by X date. And um, really that was Thanksgiving because we thought, hey, it's a food-themed holiday. Maybe we can go through and capitalize on that. And we're always trying to kind of look at all the different angles and we wanted to set ourselves up for success with marketing opportunities and, and promotions and, um, and and getting a chance to get some features on various game review sites and things like that too. So um, we basically talked to a number of those sites who were interested in the game. We gave them advanced versions of the build for them to check out. Um, and then we just kind of coordinated a launch for a particular date. And setting that hard date was actually really helpful for us because it really kind of lit that fire and forced us to make the tough decisions that we knew we needed to make anyway. Um, marketing the game was really kind of a grassroots effort. You know, we, we we made a huge database of all the different sites we knew out there and various bits of contact information, and we just reached out. And, and we, we were very genuine and basically said, look, we're, we're indie developers. This is our first title. Um, we hope you like the game. You know, I think the, the, the nature of the IP really helped us, the fact that it was such a different, weird concept, frankly, um, to make a game out about, about bagging groceries that hopefully that... I believe that helped us get noticed a little bit more than if we were just another zombie game or something like that. Um, so, you know, we were very encouraged with the response that we got. And sure, only a certain percentage of people responded at first, but then we got some good press with them, and then that all sort of kind of cascaded, and we started to get on the radar of other folks. And bit by bit by bit, we, we built our awareness, and we've been really, really happy with all the reception we've gotten today. And um, when I met you at the Casual Connect party, um, you were talking about this story where you, at some point, you had a few hundred thousand downloads, and then yeah. all of a sudden now, you know, how many downloads have you had of the games? Um, I need to go through and get the exact numbers. It's but, actually on my list, but we're, we're, we're around almost five million downloads yeah. today. Yeah. So that's pretty impressive for an indie studio. And do you feel that it was the marketing? 
I mean, what, what changed in the marketing? Do you feel it was just consistently improving it over time? Or was there some kind of break that really made everything uh, work? Well, I think we're really fortunate in that because we launched on multiple platforms, we were able to get um, a different read from different audiences. We're really successful on the Nook when we first launched. We had a lot of success on the Kindle Fire. Um, and seeing that success said to us, okay, if we can get the game in front of people, then we know that they really enjoy the game and it can be well-received and we feel like it has really great potential. Um, and obviously iOS is such, a, is such a difficult market because there's so many different apps out there and discoverability is so directly tied to the charts and features and things along those lines. So um, we, we always we had faith in the brand and the game as a whole that it, it would be able to go through and have that reach of potential, but the challenge was always how can we go through and get it up the charts. And we had a really great opportunity with the folks over at Apo Day, um, and we were able to secure a feature with them for a day, and immediately um, after we did it, they promoted us for a day, and we, we started to shoot up the charts, and then lo and behold, it went from you know getting to top 50, then it was top 20, and then it was top 10, and then it was top 5, and before we knew it, we were number one on the free charts, and you know the, the number of downloads you end up getting as a result of that was, was pretty massive. So, um, you know, we kept the game free for a while, um, you know, and, and we were getting really great reviews, and then, um, you know, we since, fl- we s- since flipped it back to paid, but, um, you know, we're interested to see what the future holds, you know? I mean, what do you think, then, of this business model of paid with in-app purchases versus free with in-app purchases? Did you, did, when you made it free, did you have an in-app purchase option within your free app? We had some in-app purchases, but um, it was mostly for unlocking additional content, so it, it was very much a promotion that we were hoping was was there to build awareness to get people um, to check out the game that hadn't checked it out before. Um, so, you know, it really wasn't a, we, we weren't expecting our in-app purchases to carry us, you know, as a result of this new mode. But um, I do think that the whole freemium model and being in-app purchase centric um, is a really powerful model. You know, I, I think it's amazing to say, but, you know, the, the difference between 99 cents and free is so dramatic, you know, and it seems like a relatively small purchase for folks, but there are some people that will only buy free games, but at the same time, they'll be comfortable going through and making an purchase after the fact. So um, it's definitely something we're going to be looking um, looking at for future products um, and, and looking to support further. And, you know, you were talking about branding with your products. I mean, what's what's the goal of your studio? Where do you see the future of your studio going? Yeah, I, I think, you know, right when we first started the studio, we, we recognized the discoverability risk. Um, you know, how are we going to go through and stand out? And so as a result, uh, we really went out of our way to say, okay, for whatever games we're going to build, we're going to have really strong IP and branding behind those titles in order to support them. And so I think that's why building the characters and the world and the universe behind Bagot is just as important to us as promoting the game of Bagot itself. And that's equipped us to be able to go and make plush toys and, and talk to you know different potential partners and you know we're, we're, there's a lot of different things that are in the works right now but um, I don't think if we didn't have a strong brand behind it even though the game was successful the potential reach in other mediums might not necessarily be there so um, we're, we're very much focused on trying to go through and, and be an IP development studio that uses games as, as the first mechanism in order to help people go through and engage um, with those characters and with that world so uh, we're really optimistic and hopeful that you know the game is going to go through and be able to manifest in, in a lot of other areas. So you don't see yourself necessarily focusing on puzzle games. You're, you're going to focus mainly on the IP versus, say, specific types of gameplay or genres. Yeah, we, we, we're, not, we're not puzzle gamers by default. You know, we love games of all types. And so, um, you know, puzzles make a lot of sense. They're, they're very well suited for kind of the bite-sized chunks of gameplay that, that people really like on the marketplace and things like that in mobile. So um, it, it's a natural fit, and I wouldn't be surprised if our second and third titles have puzzle game elements to it. But um, we're, we're really, we're not necessarily going to be just corralling ourselves down a particular genre path. You know, it's really, um, we, we'd rather make fun 
compelling, engaging games that have unique innovative, unique innovative elements and kind of worry about what genre they fit into later, you know? And did you focus on internationalization or anything else like that to get more installs, or are you mainly focused on the North American or U.S. or English market? Uh, when we first launched, it was U.S. only, but we always had the intent of launching internationally. And so one of the first things we did after we launched around Thanksgiving was our goal was by Christmas we wanted to have a fully localized version of the game. And we actually invested a lot of energy. I mean, we really wanted to be a, we're a quality-focused company. And so we, we didn't just want to kind of throw a bunch of stuff into Google Translate and slap it in the game. So, um, you know, we engaged a localization partner. We ran it by all the text we got. We ran by all of our friends. The game is full of really tons of puns and things like that that are based on grocery items and things of the like. So we wanted to make sure that those puns and jokes kind of translated over well into those other languages. So what that meant in a lot of instances was completely rewriting um, some of the level names and the object groups and things like that to make sense. And so there are puns in there that are based on very specific types of German cereals and you know brands that only exist in Spain and, and things along those lines. So we really invested heavily in, in trying to make the game be a reflection of the kind of supermarket experience that you would have in your hometown even if you lived internationally. So uh, we've been really fortunate that it's been very well received as a result. And where do you see the future of mobile and tablet gaming going? Wow, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Do you feel that the opportunity is still there, or is it going to close pretty soon, or what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I don't think it's going to close in the near future. I mean, I think when we when we first started the company, we always thought, okay, well, mobile's a safe place. We can self-distribute. This is a great opportunity for us to develop our games, and then maybe we can go through and shift into doing digital download for bigger consoles. We have a background in console development and things like that for next-gen games and whatnot. But, you know, as time has gone on, it, it's really evident to us that the consoles of the future are in our pocket. You know, they're the iPhone, they're the iPad, there are all these different tablets and phones and, and devices, and I think they've really changed the landscape of what people expect from games, so the fact that it can be on your person at all times. I think there'll be short-form and long-form games that'll become you know more and more popular as time goes on. I think that whole space will continue to evolve, but I think there's a lot of really positive trends that have come from it. You know, I, I go back and I, I play some older games where, you know, I remember RPGs are a great example where they say, you know, you know, well, it starts off really slow, but after the first four or five hours, it gets really, really cool, and that just won't fly anymore. You know, I think mobile games have really trained us to say, okay, you need to make sure your game is compelling in the first minute, and then the first five minutes, and then the first ten minutes, and things along those lines, and I think those are really positive trends um, for the industry as a whole, and so I, I'm really intrigued to see how that's all going to evolve, but I think now that people have games in their pocket, you know, there's always going to be a place for console games, and, and, and sitting on the couch and having the giant, you know, flat screen TV and all that other good stuff, but, um, you know, I think mobile games are here to stay. And, uh, you know, you talked about discoverability as the biggest risk. I mean, how, how do you suggest uh, for smaller game developers to handle that risk or to address it? It's a really tough question. You know, I think it's something that we're wrestling with all the time. You know, I, I think... Part of it is, as I said, building a really strong IP and brand because hopefully when you release the game, you can then also try and build awareness in other spaces as well because any way in which you can go through and get eyeballs and then kind of bring them back to the game, um, the, the more valuable it's going to be. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of interesting developments in, um, in things like Kickstarter and kind of crowdsourcing models where basically developers are opening their doors and letting fans become kind of part of the development process or have a window into that development process. So I, I think the more opportunities you have to build a really strong, dedicated fan base, and the more your fans can be your evangelists and be the ones that are actually marketing your game for you, I think there's nothing more genuine than that or more powerful than that kind of really impassioned word-of-mouth um, way in which people can go through and share the fact that they really love this experience and they want you to experience it as well. 
So um, it's a really tough question, though. You know, and I think it's it's a challenge for all developers, and it means that you really have to have to step up your game, and you need to make sure that you're thinking through what your title is and why it is and isn't appealing. And are you speaking of Kickstarter? Are you going to do Kickstarter for any of your future projects? Uh, we don't know. That's 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 a speculative thing. But I, I think the notion of um, you know giving your fans the opportunity to kind of become a part of the development process is something yeah. that uh, we really believe strongly in engaging our fans and building a really strong brand and, and making sure that people um, believe in in the products that Hidden Variable is making. So that you know when our second project comes around and our third project comes around, they immediately know what they can expect and they know that we're going to be dedicated and committed to supporting it um, and things along. So I think the philosophy of Kickstarter is um, is something that we really believe in, or at yeah. least that kind of community engagement. Um, whether or not we actually go through and do a Kickstarter campaign, you know, is a little too soon to say for us. And for your studio, do you focus mainly on iOS or Android? I know you're you know you're on both platforms, but is there anyone that you give favor to, or where you feel everything's going to be headed? Um, you know, we really from the get go, you know, I'm I'm an iOS player, and I've got the iPhone, and the iPad, and two of my business partners both have Android phones, and I, I think right from the get go, we wanted to develop simultaneously for both those platforms, um, and so I, I think we're very much, you know, we, we had a great promotion on iOS, and so the the bulk of our audience right now is on iOS, but prior to that promotion, the bulk of our audience was on Android. And I, I think a lot of the feedback that we were getting is what gave us the confidence in the brand as a whole that there was that aim um, to be successful across the board. So I, I think moving forward, we're definitely going to be um, active in supporting both of those platforms, develop for them simultaneously um, so that we can be doing simultaneous launches across the board. Um, you know, where the future holds, um, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, obviously, Android's gaining a lot of ground, and the diversity of devices out there um, is really impressive. And you look at things like the Nook and the Kindle Fire and things like that, and all of those are basically just new gateways that will help get more players with um, tones in their pockets. And I think as long as you're smart about how you go through and develop your game um, and you take into account, you know, a lot of people are daunted, I think, by the all the different devices that are out there on the Android side. But I think if you approach it with, you know, kind of sound technical practices and you set your min spec and you build your UI accordingly so it can be anchored to the edges of the screen so that um, there's a lot of really sound practices you can follow that will uh, really set you up for success. So. And where can listeners find out more about your games? Um, HiddenVariable.com or um, our Facebook page, um, Hidden Variable Studios. And um, yeah, that's uh, obviously you can find Bagit on, on iOS, uh, the Google Play, um, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, Nook Marketplace, and a whole host of other spaces. So um, we're, we're pretty much, we try to be everywhere. So um, hopefully they get a chance to check it out.